and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we have a fun one in store for all of you today here on the show. Our guest this week is the adventurous Laura Frazier, um, someone who has been lighting up the Bay Area out here on the West Coast uh, over the past year plus or so. Uh, you know them from Hood Slam. You know them from Full Queer. You know they've also held championships in Lucha Patron and South Bay Championship Wrestling. They've even wrestled up here in my neck of the woods a bit with Five CC. So um, it's it's a really great opportunity to get the chance to sit down with Laura and and chat a bit about their journey in pro wrestling, as well as you know being. It's always great to have a conversation with another non-binary person about being non-binary in the pro wrestling space because there's always plenty to talk about when it comes to that especially considering how gendered the world of pro wrestling still is even with the strides that have been made uh so far in, in the last few years or so but yeah great conversation with laura really excited for all of y'all to to listen and to be able to share it with you before we get there though um just want to touch on a couple of things some of it housekeeping QWI related as well. Of course, we've had the QWI awards nominations ballot open over the last two weeks or so. Today is the final day, y'all. Today is the final day to submit those ballots um, to nominate all of your LGBTQ favorites in every category for the awards this year. Um, that closes at midnight Pacific time tonight, so 3 a.m. Eastern time. I guess that's technically Friday. Either way, midnight PT, it closes. And then I will tally all of those up. We will have a final ballot ready to go uh, based off of your nominations uh, on November 18th. So that would be Saturday. So that ballot will go up on Saturday. Um, and I also have something special that we have in store because I know in the past with the QWI Awards, there's been a lot of people responding um, that with the ballot they would like to have like links to matches that are there or like added context around nominees and that sort of thing just to kind of help better inform people as they vote and uh, we're going to do something special for that this year i'm planning to do a, a little bonus podcast with a couple of uh a couple of other people in this pro wrestling journalism space um and to give a, give that context and give out where you can find these matches and that sort of thing. So we'll have a supplement podcast to go along with the ballot that should come out um, early next week after the ballot has gone up for everybody to vote. So yeah, um, let's see. So that the awards that's that's done here. QWI two hundred that is still obviously planning to come out uh, starting on December first, running through December seventh. I am so deep <laughs> into into getting that together um so yeah i guess update it's still happening and i'm still working on it and y'all have made it very very tough this year to whittle this thing down to 200 i swear um all of all of all of the wrestlers <laughs> just stupendous years for for so many people this is a really hard process so uh, that's still on the way and um, I guess the final thing I want to mention here before we get into the interview is, um, of course, last night, 
Uh, we saw the world broadcast debut of Out in the Ring, the uh, documentary that chronicles the history of LGBTQ identities within the world of pro wrestling, dating back to the 1940s, um, and a film that you know has been very special to me, even though I have like no involvement in it at all, <laughs> um, uh, for obvious reasons. You know, uh, it's basically another thing that is doing this job that I've really dedicated myself to. And, you know, through the process of, you know, reporting on it and, and viewing it and even like hosting the screening that we did down in L.A. Um, during WrestleMania weekend, I've really come to befriend Rye, the, the director of the film. And, and I just want to express a, a very... Um, resonant uh, and loud message of pride for Rye and the team behind that film and getting it out there for even more people to see. You know, um, I'm glad that the, the public now can really take in all of the work that went into this as well as all of the stories that are within it from so many people that have been on this show, people that haven't been on this show, but people that are having an avenue to be able to tell their stories and their experiences uh, and to kind of relive the memories of people that have either been lost to time over the course of pro wrestling uh, or haven't had the chance to really tell their full stories about themselves. You know, people like Tex, people like, you know, even though we don't get a, a ton of time dedicated to her, but like Sandy Parker, you know, um, like Chris Colt, um, you know, some of the, the newer like revelations about stuff that Pat Patterson sort of thing all the way up to now with people like dark Sheik and billy dixon and effie and ashton star and ac mack and danny jordan and caitlin diamond and so many of the other people um that were featured in this film raisa clark you know byron anthos um you know people like i think i said peril already but i'll just throw peril out there again just in case because my my short-term memory is shot y'all um <laughs> but but yeah, um, it's just a really awesome film. I'm glad that it found a, a home at Fuse, and it's going to be on their streaming service um, going forward. It's just really awesome to see, and kudos to Rye and the team behind the film for, for that accomplishment there. It's just really, really cool to, to see that happen. And go check it out if you haven't yet. Trust me, it's, it's worth the watch. It's definitely worth the watch. Um, so I think with that, we'll jump right into my conversation with Laura Frazier. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who I've been excited to have on the podcast for a while now. We had a chance to uh, apparently reconnect down in San Francisco last <laughs> month <laughs> because we both forgot that we met in Los Angeles during WrestleMania weekend. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll take that L. For both of us right now but no you just just heard their voice we have uh one of the people that you know from hood slam from full queer from so many places around the bay area and beyond in the norcal wrestling scene one half of <laughs> adventures in science um and uh, honestly someone who i really appreciate their outspokenness um when it comes to lgbtq topics within the world of pro wrestling and beyond online as well so please welcome the adventurous laura frazier to the show today how are you doing laura i'm doing great 
Awesome. I'm glad <laughs> to hear. I'm glad to hear. I know you've had some some health stuff popping off here in the last couple of weeks. So I'm glad to hear that you're doing a lot better and we're having the chance to sit down. Um, and also we can both live with our shame of forgetting that we met each other once before <laughs> yeah. we ran into each other at the full queer show at Barrison Street Fair last week, last month. <laughs> that's that's the canon event. That's when we first met. The other time wasn't canon. Exactly. Exactly. We'll, just, we'll take that there. We both had a lot of stuff going on. Like I was hosting yeah. a thing and you were yeah. like going in to see this awesome documentary and like, oh, that's fine. Which is very fitting actually, because like we're, as we're recording this, uh, mm -hmm. it's the night we're out in the ring is debuting on uh, making this broadcast debut worldwide on Fuse tonight. Um, yeah. I saw they sent me the post. They keep sending me posts like we're doing this now. We're doing this now. I'm like, that's so cool. I never yes. know what to say. So I just like the post. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's a, I think that's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good response. So. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, it's, like, it's... I don't know. I don't want to be like I'm proud of you and then sound fake. You know what I mean? <laughs> Knowing Rye, um, I don't think that that he would take that as fake. So well, okay, good. We are both very proud of you, Rye. We're both very proud of your film making its broadcast debut tonight. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah. So yeah, we we had the chance to do all that with the film we met again last month at, at full queer barrison as i was doing my little mini tour of the bay area stuff and um that was a honestly like that was a, a whole fun experience and we'll definitely delve more into that in, in a way because like i definitely want to talk to you about the bay area scene um mm -hmm. since that's where you primarily work and just mm -hmm. how much it has grown and how diverse it is in terms of presentations for pro wrestling now um, but let's start with, with you yourself, because, you know, a good place for all these things to start, even if it is a bit cliche at this point is kind of like wrestling origins for, for people. Right. And yeah. you, so I, I do research before I hop into interviews with people and I have mm -hmm. to say, I did not expect that, um, that your entry into this, this weird wacky world of pro wrestling would involve actually something fairly fairly recent in yeah. terms of flow the netflix series yeah yeah <laughs> so what was it about about the netflix series that kind of pushed you to thinking that this is something that i i want to do or try yeah sure um well i was living in southern california and i was working at jungle cruise at disneyland and like doing you know, a couple of acting gigs here and there, but mostly focusing on like growing within the Disney company. And um, I don't know, I just kind of related to the characters of feeling like they're kind of like stuck in a dead end as a performer. And uh, it seems like they really came into their own with pro wrestling. And it's like, yeah, TV's like real life. So I'll do that. <laughs> I mean, it definitely you know? can be at times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean you're kind of proving it in some ways. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just seemed like, I don't know, it just really spoke to me on a, like a weird level. And like I had had a friend, my best friend, Zach, who had been into pro wrestling since he was a kid. Um, and, uh, you know, he would like occasionally catch up on wrestling. Like if he came down to visit, like he would like turn on Hulu and turn on like SmackDown or raw and like catch up with it. 
and I would kind of like peek at it every once in a while because like I don't know I had always been like interested in it ever since like someone described it to me as like televised theater and as a theater kid it's like oh it's gonna make me interested (laughs) so um yeah I don't know I just like I just never got around to really getting into it until a couple years ago and I realized like you know what this this is this is interesting this is very very this is like a really interesting way to tell a story and I am super into storytelling it's like my favorite thing ever so any way that I can do that um I I want to try it out it's interesting to hear like that that love of storytelling kind of informing that right because like you know i talk mm-hmm. obviously i talked to a lot of people in wrestling that you know have you know found their way into it by way of their fandom and and how, what parts of their initial like experiences watching it that have pulled them in and so many people are looking at like moments they're looking at you know certain matches they're looking at certain like people's athleticism and stuff like that um and it feels like sometimes the storytelling or the love of the storytelling aspect of wrestling kind of comes in a little bit afterwards for them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to hear that like that was like the initial thing that really like struck you with it was just like, oh, this is just another medium to tell mm-hmm. a story in a way. And knowing your background in performance, you know, everything from ballet and, and other forms of dance to theater to, mm-hmm. you know, even like the Jungle Cruise, like like you mentioned before, like that's like a very like it's a confined like what five to ten minute thing but it's definitely mm-hmm. a thing that tells a story within it, within mm-hmm. it too like is that has that always kind of been like a, a lifelong thing to kind of like explore different ways of like being able to tell stories through um, performance or something like that definitely not intentionally <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i've always like, I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I always really liked, you know, like, making up stories with, like, my toys and stuff. And, like, you know, like, I would always, like, you know, when I would play with friends, I would always, like, come up with, like, different characters with, like, interesting backstories and stuff. Like, it's just something I've always really enjoyed and gravitated towards. And, like, I don't know, I just felt like, I don't know, just every once in a while, I'll always like reach a dead end with a certain medium. And I feel like I can't really grow with it. But like, I don't know, with pro wrestling, it's just been so easy to grow with it. But it like, and it's, which is weird, because it's definitely the hardest of the mediums. <laughs> <laughs> like, make no mistake, it's hard. But once like you get the hang of it, or like start getting the hang of it, it's really easy to like, get yourself out there if you're willing to put yourself out there hmm. how would you describe because you mentioned like pro wrestling feels like there's much more like ground to explore or like you're not hitting these dead ends that you hit in in other mm-hmm. places like why do you think there is that that higher like level of of openness in terms of like exploration of performance with pro wrestling versus like what you've done in the past um I mean, to put it bluntly, I think it's classism. <laughs> Yo, I'm here for it. <laughs> I I just think that like you're you tapping know, into the of, wobbly in my brain. Yeah, a lot of other uh, you know, mediums, you know, rely on like having a certain amount of like 
if if you're able to afford like a certain coach or like a certain this or a certain that or like certain headshots or you know whatever you know you're you're more likely to get further whereas with pro wrestling it's like yeah you need to like get gear and like other stuff but it's just like uh the it's more i feel like it's just more accessible if you're willing to put in the work and um you know you're willing to put in the time and the energy then like yeah like it's it's not easy but like it's more accessible if you're not necessarily from a higher socioeconomic status if that makes any sense no i, I think it does i mean and you speak to like you know i i don't have experience and in, in, i wasn't a theater kid um but no. i can understand that like if you wanted to go further with that like acting classes headshots like all that stuff gets very prohibitively expensive as you mm-hmm. move forward in like my sister was in dance for for years so i understand like the costs that come with that stuff as well <laughs> so like mm-hmm. it, it, it it's you're, I, I understand the path that you're taking me down, like in terms mm-hmm. of that, because like pro wrestling, really, you, it's one of those things that you can run a show as long as you have enough space to put a ring up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter like what, what venue it is, like out, inside, outside, like you can make something work if you have enough room to put a ring up and you mm-hmm. have people that are willing to step into it and people that are willing to come. Yeah. Like, so it, it, it's, it's very, it was about like the, Word that just came up in my mind is kind of like democratization in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to go 100% there. I don't want to like give the, the wrestling industry as a whole that compliment fully just yet. I understand. It's, it's, it's moving more in that direction. Um, yeah. Which is really cool to see. And, and I, I don't know, like I just, I like the, the point that you made because it, it does speak to kind of where, um, where those roadblocks can come up when when trying to explore not just a career but just more experiences within the arts field in that way and i think that's why i love i i i think that's why i love referring to pro wrestling as an art form mm-hmm. because i want for people to see it that way versus just like you know obviously it, it has a sporting aspect to it but yeah. like it's it's art at the end of the day yeah I mean, like, you know, some as someone who was a dancer for, like, the front, like, quarter of their life, um, you know, it, like, yeah, dancing is an art form, but it does require athleticism to do. Like, you can't, like, you know, not any, not just anyone can do it. Or, like, you know, if you aren't necessarily very athletic, it requires a lot of work. So, you know, and it's the same with wrestling. Like, it, yeah, it's an art form. It's just, you know, you just got to put in a lot of a lot more physical work um and that's not to say you know like being a musician also requires physical work you know it's all a lot of work it's just like wrestling i would say of all the ones i've done has definitely been like really freaking hard but it's definitely also been the most rewarding Hmm. how so i just feel like um because of all the work i've put into it um and because I, I see returns, I've been seeing more returns on it. Like people are seeing the work I put in and they are putting me on shows. And, you know, in other art forms, like I would bust my ass. And it's like, because I didn't brown nose to the director enough, like I'm still, you know, stuck doing certain roles. And it's just like, really? I, I feel like I've proven to you that I'm a reliable enough, you know, worker. 
And I don't know. I just feel like with wrestling, it's like, yeah, there is a little bit of the pop. Well, I mean, there is quite a bit of politics, but like, you know, if you find the right people, you know, and you are put in the right environment, like, I don't know. I just feel like I've just been able to, you know, put out a lot more work. Also, like there's less of a, there's not really a rehearsal process. <laughs> so, you know, you're able to just kind of go out there one night and just do stuff and you're able to do a bunch of different stuff. And there's more like, you know, you're not like, like, don't get me wrong. I love the rehearsal process. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people who's just like, I hate rehearsal. Like, no, I love rehearsal. It's just that, you know, with uh, wrestling, there's just, you can just put out more, like there's more output. You know, it's hearing you say that you love the rehearsal process. I think that honestly kind of like clues me in a bit to like what you're saying about wrestling and like the like the openness and exploration of it, like just being able to go out there and do different things. Because I mean, that's basically what the rehearsal space is for, right? It's mm -hmm. just basically there to give you space to kind of explore character, explore how to play scenes, how to interact with your co-actors. And that's what yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, like that. I have like a teen. I, I'd say I have a film background. I, eh, I, I. That's oh, I say that because I have done it, but it's also very overblown. Um, so gotcha, but like, gotcha. but it speak, but it speaks to to that mindset. Like I can totally see like that correlation that that mm -hmm. that goes on there. Yeah, yeah, especially with like, like my stoner. You will do like dojo shows. And there's usually not a huge crowd there. There's like maybe like 10, 15 people there that aren't wrestlers. Um, and, uh, you know, you can just like try shit out there and it's just not serious, you know? It's just like we're doing it for fun and to learn and to grow. And um, it's nice, you know, and they film it so we can watch it back and like be like, oh, that went really well or oh, that didn't go so well. Um, and it's just, it's just great, you know, or like just training. Like I like going to training. I like trying things. Um, I sometimes freak out though, because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But then I do, then when I finally do get the hang of it, if I do get the hang of it, um, it's really satisfying. No, that I think, I think that having an environment like that is key to keeping confidence up, mm -hmm. especially whenever you're first starting out or you're kind of getting your legs under your under yourself and that sort of thing i've seen some clips from some of the dojo shows that y'all have done and mm -hmm. i like you know whether it's like i've seen like you and like uh and like dave reckoning kind mm -hmm. of doing some stuff there i also i think it those dojo shows produce like one of my favorite matches that i've seen in the past like year or so <laughs> with the um the spaghetti western uh, oh yeah, yeah, death yeah, match yeah. with Llama yeah. Jack and and Bob Hands or Brutal Rock yeah. Hands rather. Um, yeah. like it's just that's the kind of thing that I love to see. Like just continuing to like find the boundaries that mm -hmm. you can and push past them in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's very interesting to me that you kind of got your your start in the pro wrestling scene, at least in terms of training wise, mm -hmm. in an area of the country that is just ripe with with companies that are that have that have that mindset as well like obviously mm -hmm. you know you trained at, at stoner u with the stoner brothers and anton Voorhees, which of mm -hmm. course most famously known for hood slam which i think is the prototype of 
any prototype for a company that is pushing the boundaries of, of a pro wrestling presentation, so to speak. I agree. Yeah. Um, so you're, you are you already end up at a school with trainers who have that mindset and mm-hmm. encourage that mindset in, in some mm-hmm. ways, shape or form. Like, was that something? So whenever you're looking for schools, whenever you settle on stone, are you, are you aware of Hood Slam at this point? Is that something that influences the decision for you? Or are you just kind at this of, point? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay, um, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, I had been training at other places, but like um, the first place I trained at didn't really meet every week. And it's like I figured if I was going to get good at this, I needed to like train like multiple times a week and not just like once a month. <laughs> um So I stopped training there and I trained at this other place, but then the owner of this other place, I won't name names, was a little problematic. So I moved to Stoner U and like I known it wasn't until after I went to the other place, the second place, um, that's when I heard of Stoner U because Anton was the lead trainer there at the time. And then he went over to Stoner U and um, he told me to go to a Hood Slam show. And I was like, yeah, sure. Never heard of it, but I'll go, you know, if you want me to go, you're my trainer. I'm going to listen to you. Um, so I went and I was like, you know, I, um, in my early twenties, I spent a lot of time going to like rock concerts, like at Ace of Spades in Sacramento, um, for those in central California who know what that is. Um, and like, uh, you know, seeing like Hailstorm or like, um, in this moment, um, against me, um, I've seen a couple of times, you know, so I'm used to like, you know, standing up and like watching shows and like Hood Slam very much had that energy of like a rock concert. And there was a live band at the time and like people were doing insane shit. And it's just like, you know, I love like the campy insane shit, you know, part of it is from the theater background. But like, you know, when I was like 17 or I, if anyone asks, I was 17 when I went to my first Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> showing, um, if anyone asks, mm-hmm. I was 17. <laughs> I had my permit with me and everything. Um, but yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I love, I love camp. I love like, or, like stuff like the Sharknado movies. Like, I don't know. I just think that like, if you go out and set out to do something and you succeed in doing it, I think that's I think that's successful art to me. And if you go out and you are just there to have a good time, which is what Hood Slam is all about, having a good time and having fun, you know, and they succeed at it. They they really they really do. So what was your takeaway from like obviously you know, you had seen Glow and, and what their mm-hmm. presentation of pro wrestling was. You had seen WWE at this point and seen what their presentation of pro wrestling was. Whenever mm-hmm. you go to Hood Slam. And you mm-hmm. see, like, what Hood Slam's presentation of pro wrestling is. Like, mm-hmm. does that, like, is that, like, one of those selling points? Like, oh, I'm in the right place now? Yes. At this point? Okay. Mm-hmm. Why, like, oh, what made you feel that way? It was just my shit. Like, you know, like, fucking Brosif does his, like, whole spiel in the beginning. And he's, like, flipping people off and, like, pouring alcohol in people's mouths. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is what I've been missing in my life. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> insane shenanigans and i don't know just like the the storylines like 
it, it was just like, oh my God, this is, this is what I've needed in my life. Like, this is what I've been missing is just, this just insane, insanery. Like I just, I, this is, I want to go to there, you know? So obviously like training at Stoner U, like it feels like there's a very clear pathway to like two hood slam from there. And, and I know you've spoken in past interviews about like, you know, possibly having your debut be at hood slam previous to mm-hmm. the pandemic and everything happening and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, Mm-hmm. I know because of that, like you ended up wrestling with Five CC, um, mm-hmm. it ended up doing you know the the LFC stuff in Vegas, previous mm-hmm. to um any kind of like debut with the Bay Area companies and that sort of thing. Like, do you feel like being able to training in in a place with Anton and Rick and Scott, who definitely have that hood slam mindset, but also are providing a lot of like fundamentals of of pro wrestling beyond just what hood slam presents. Did you feel like it was better for you to debut somewhere that wasn't like Hood Slam, like that sort of like centric stuff before coming back there? Or like what benefits were there to going up to Bellingham and out to Vegas before like getting that first shot at at Hood Slam? I think um, especially when Hood Slam came back after the pandemic, like they kind of got a fight TV deal. So I was kind of glad that like I didn't end up debuting at Hutzlam because Hutzlam like got even bigger somehow um, during the. It always does. <laughs> yeah, I know it always does. So I was kind of like glad that like I don't know like I um you know and not to like knock LFC or Five CC or any of the places I wrestled before, but like the audience isn't as big, so it let me be able to get my feet wet with like a less big audience. And just be able to like, you know, really uh, learn what it's like, because like with the Hoodslam crowd, especially like um, a lot of the live audience are not wrestling fans, which is why they tend to pop for things that like a lot of more seasoned wrestling fans would not necessarily pop for. So it was nice to like be able to like work crowds that are a little more difficult, you know, to pop and like um, just be able to like really get more of a handle on my style and my move set and like my character before really um you know doing something like hood slam which has gotten you know the fight tv deal and all of that like you know i didn't want to have to like you know and a, a lot of big names have been coming by maki ito's coming this saturday again like you know it, it's it can be intimidating if you're like newer you know yeah, I mean, I can I can totally see that aspect of like you know wanting to be able to kind of get your your sea legs a bit, so yeah. to speak, before like debuting or before showing up on on a show that's going to be seen by such a wide audience, um, yeah. that are coming to it from so many different like backgrounds, whether they're pro wrestling fans, whether they're just there for the the camp or the ridiculousness mm-hmm. that that Hood Slam pre- presents that sort of thing. Um, obviously you brought up like kind of working on character and developing character. And I think that whenever I first like was made, was made aware of you was back whenever you were still Skipper Lauren. Um, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, so like, I think it was even like previous to the five CC debut. Um, mm-hmm. and then like I saw it cause you know, I'm up in the Pacific Northwest. Like I, Unfortunately, I did not get up to a 5CC show before it it uh, it ended early, earlier this year, RIP. 
but right. um yeah but talk to me a bit about kind of the character development from from skipper lauren to laura frazier at this point like so what what did you find in those like that year or two that really kind of helped you solidify like who you wanted to be in yeah, this, sure. this world yeah um so I went with Skipper Lauren because I kind of had a little bit of a following already on like Instagram from doing Disney and being involved with Disney, like not a huge following, like don't get me wrong. <laughs> I still don't have like legions of followers, <laughs> you know, I haven't even broken 10K yet. But like, um, you know, there are still people who were interested in my wrestling, but they knew me as Skipper Lauren. So I kind of went with that at first because I was still wanting to do the adventure thing um because my trainer seemed receptive to it people that i pitched it to seem receptive to it and you know there's not really a lot of femmes doing that right now like you know i think uh rebel kel was just doing it at sos or russell kel as she's going by now i think um she was doing the tomb raider thing to kind of rival pitfall jones um, but other than that, like, I hadn't really heard of any other femmes doing the adventure thing. And since, you know, I just, you know, spent five years working in Adventureland at Disneyland, it made organic sense. And uh, but people kept calling me Skipper like it was my first name. And I was like, um, no. So I was trying to think like, like Pitfall Jones was smart and did the game Pitfall and the last name Jones. So I was like, I was wonder, I wonder if there's a way I can still do the adventurer thing, but it's like do a femme version of that. And I, so I went with Lara cause it's close to, you know, Lauren mm -hmm. and Lara Croft and whatever. And I was like, is there like a adventurous with like a last name um, that would work with that? And I talked to my friend who, you know, is a huge gamer Um and I was like, uh, what's a good last? And we went through characters from Uncharted and uh, Chloe Frazier came up and I was like, oh, that's a cool character because I've watched him. I don't really play a whole ton of non cozy video games myself. I usually just watch him play them because I get stressed out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really liked the character of Chloe Frazier. And I was like, oh, Laura Frazier, that really that that does roll off the tongue. I think I'll go with that. And yeah, I think it was just more of a way to like express that I'm an adventurer without being too overt. And like, I don't know, I prefer people call me Lara than Skipper, to be honest. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. I was it is sick interesting. of the Barbie jokes. <laughs> God. <laughs> Imagine if you had, if that had stuck and then now mm -hmm. in this year mm -hmm. with the Barbie movie, Jesus, I don't even want to imagine yeah what kind yeah. of landslide will be coming your way um at this nope. point no it's it's interesting like how much you like continue to tie this into like your time at disney and your time with mm -hmm. the jungle cruise as well like it whenever i first like found you it, it truly intrigued me like okay former jungle cruise skipper is getting mm -hmm. into pro wrestling like that's a that's a pathway i haven't seen yet in, in, in <laughs> pro wrestling um, it's weird I, yeah but like we're all here for weird. Um, oh yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, hundred percent. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about about your your time with Jungle Cruise as well, mm -hmm. because you know we talked a lot about your performance background and how that's kind of informed your move into pro wrestling and a lot of different things there. And it feels like 
working at the Jungle Cruise for five years mm -hmm. um, would definitely bring some beneficial qualities for anyone that wants to get into pro wrestling. You know, whether it be like, you know, I I know that I would imagine that the the jokes and like there's a, it's definitely scripted or there are things that are approved by the company, so it's not a fully improvisational thing they're going on but you still have to be a little bit off the cuff with mm -hmm. with people that are that are there and and that sort of thing like what did mm -hmm. you pull from that experience working at at the Disney parks that really helped you getting into this um definitely uh it's been useful in learning that like like there would be certain jokes because you're right. It, it everything's pre-approved because it's Disney, and they gotta worry about people suing their ass. So they run through their jokes through like a bunch of lawyers, and like they and it and it it changes every once in a while just to make sure you know that they're not gonna get busted for having a skipper telling a certain joke, um, or like dur during certain uh like current events we wouldn't tell certain jokes, um, just to you know not you know incur anyone's wrath um and so you know obviously be sensitive because that's important too even though people would like to think otherwise um yeah. but yeah uh you know it, it just stuff like that you know just like keeping in mind your audience you know like if I was telling a lot of puns in the beginning and people were like into it like they were responding to it I would continue to tell puns if I was more like sarcastic and dry I would stick with that if I was more like perky and plucky and whatever I'd stick with that you know whatever it it, it 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 definitely gave me a sense of like okay this is what the crowd is responding to so I gotta stick with this or you know the crowd doesn't seem to be into this so let me try something different you know and it definitely got me into that mentality also like unexpected things would happen like sometimes you know the boat would just stop running or the throttle chain would snap on the throttle <laughs> And you'd be stuck out there and you would have to like, you know, just casually talk to people for a few hours for like, not a few hours, but like, you know, quite some time. It felt like a few hours. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, just like keep these people entertained because they're stuck on a boat with you. Um, and yeah, you know, or like sometimes like, you know, you'll get stuck in a certain spot because the person ahead of you is going a little too slow um and you'll have to slow down yourself and you know so you'll tell like a couple extra jokes so yeah it just it just made me aware that you have to stay on your feet because it's like you know it's not you know it, it's not as like anything can happen like shit happens in wrestling and you just gotta change course because you know it's 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 real it's it's fixed but it's real we're really doing it yeah it's like it's like what rosie finger says um it's kind of like porn. Like, yeah, it's scripted, but we're doing it. <laughs> Rosie always has a, a very fun and, and matter of fact way of putting things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that was, I think that's a really good way to describe it. It's like, yeah, we're, you know, we talk it out ahead of time, but we're doing it. We're hitting each other. You know, we're throwing each other down. That's not an illusion. You're seeing that happen. Um, and you know, like, because of that, you know, shit happens. Like one time I, uh, forgot to turn my head at a certain point 
and I got a really bloody ass nose. Like I ate Milo's knee and I got a bloody fucking nose and we just had to, you know, work with it the whole time. And my boot came untied. So my boot was untied. It was a mess, but we got through it, you know, and that's just stuff you got to be ready for. Hmm. No, I, you're completely on, on point <laughs> in, in, in that, in that facet. Like you do have to, have this innate ability to be able to think on your feet because of the the always present uh factor of randomness that, mm-hmm. that anything can can give to you and it's funny you mentioned like you know the, being on the jungle cruise and having like the boat break down or something i i remember like there was one time that i was actually on that, <laughs> that ride and the boat did break down for about half an hour that was a yeah. very like this is before like i had even like really thought about like you know looking like studying performance or anything like that and then i think back to that that moment afterwards and like no like that that is an extremely skillful thing to be able to hold a boat full of people's attention um through something where in your own mind you're just like fuck is going on why (laughs) um i hope i don't get in trouble for this (laughs) yes that too god god All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT Ring Pod. Multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBTRingPod. Every single dollar that is... Uh, pledge there to support the show is very very humbling and we thank you we also have a, a merch store over on brainbuster tees go to brainbustertees.com and search lgbt in the ring uh you get t-shirts tank tops all kinds of good stuff and you know always looking at some new things as well but uh, definitely check us out on brainbuster tees there as well you can follow the show on social media as well we're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. This Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, uh, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV 
for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBT ring pod or visit uh, the URL tinyurl.com slash IWTV LGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. What made you want to be a, a Jungle Cruise? director for that for that time of your life like whatever you join whatever you like applied to work with with the, with disney was it specifically for that role or was that or were you just trying to get some kind of in for a performance at the park there uh yeah um so i was uh going to junior college and i was slowly starting to realize that academia is just not built for me I am just not an assignments and essays type person. Um, and my mom found this thing called the Disney College Program. And so we went to a seminar about it and I applied and I was hoping to get to Southern California just because that's LA, that's where a lot of performing is. But they ended up uh, saying, do you want to go to Florida? And I was like, sure. And um, yeah, it was kind of my in in the Disney company because I figured, you know, Disney, that could that's entertainment that could definitely give me into a performing career um and so uh I went to Florida and they gave me the Jungle Cruise and I was like this is perfect this is perfect for me um and I really enjoyed it um it definitely very exhausting ride to work um because you're not only like doing the Jungle Cruise stuff but you're also helping people in and out of boats you're like leading the you know if someone has like mobility stuff if they're in a wheelchair you're helping lead them there and like you know you're also helping with the ride operation as well as telling jokes so um and you you're like in there you can be in a boat for like hours and hours telling jokes you know it's 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 hard work but um you know it's just a lot of fun and it just definitely fits me because you know I I'm I, I like telling jokes um you know, it helps me cope with life. <laughs> so, um, and you know, like the character of the skipper is kind of like quirky and you don't, you act like you know what you're doing, but you really have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> um, and you know, it's just like, yeah, okay. I can, I can work with this. I can make this work. You know, I'm yeah. And, um, I really liked it. And then I came back from my college program and um, so I went to go apply for Disneyland and initially they put me at California Adventure 
Um, and I was like, I want to work Jungle Cruise again. Um, and I did. And I loved it. Um, but yeah, it just it was just getting to a point where I don't know, I just feel like I was I just felt like I was reaching a dead end as a performer. And like, you know, even though I won, because um, I also was enchanted room, uh, an enchanted tiki room host, and I won enchanted tiki room host of the year 2015. So yay nice. me. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I just I don't know, I was I was having fun. I just like, doing the same thing over and over and over again it just kind of was starting to feel like groundhog day and like with pro wrestling it never feels like groundhog day like because there's so many different ways it can go and like different promotions and like you know maybe they'll want you to be a heel maybe they'll want you to be a face maybe they want you to work a tag match maybe a five-way a singles match whatever you know and it's it's just a lot more variety and it really tests you and that's what i need <laughs> <laughs> i can understand that especially looking at you know having just years upon years of just doing the same thing over and over again like wanting a different challenge wanting something new something that's going to continue to test you i can mm -hmm. i could definitely see that that aspect of it um one more one more question i had on on jungle cruise real quick and then we'll, we'll move forward because there's a lot more wrestling stuff to talk about here but um, totally. I don't know when I'm going to be able to talk to another person who actually worked Jungle Cruise for, for a while. Um, so I I fall down podcast rabbit holes from time to time. And there was a while back, there was a podcast that I found that kind of enlightened me to this like fraternity that the Jungle Cruise directors have um, yeah. in a way. Like it, I think it was a podcast that, like where a former Jungle Cruise like skipper has other Jungle Cruise skippers on to talk about their experiences is it Tales from the Jungle Cruise? It might be. I, I it's been like a few years since I listened to it, so and I've forgotten the name because my memory is shit. So it <laughs> might okay. be. It might be that one. Like I, I actually yeah. went back and tried to find the show <laughs> like a while back because I missed listening to it. But like, but yeah, it might be that one actually. Because that's what what you're describing is what it sounds like. I'm very yeah. I'm familiar with it. I've had a few friends on it and stuff. Okay, so looking at like having that fraternity aspect to this to this community like it in my mind it compares maybe not 100 percent, but definitely some form of one-to-one -to, -one to pro wrestling in a way in terms of like the the camaraderie and the community that can yeah. be built in it like do you see a, like a similar connection between the two or like how would you compare the two i would say um we're both both are glorified carnies both groups <laughs> Um, so it makes sense. Um, although I did not know how much like Cardi culture still existed until I became a wrestler. Like I, we would joke about being glorified Cardis at Disney, but let me tell you, like it, it, it it's, oh my God, <laughs> I got, I got, I got to pro wrestling and like, I had an inkling of like, you know, how it was, but like, I wanted to give it a fair shake. I didn't want to like go based on my like preconceptions you know about mm. the business and I got in and I was like okay okay so preconceptions were out proven um <laughs> cool 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 this is what we're working with got it um and yeah it's it's wild but yeah I would say like it's just like like I feel like there are Disney marks 
um, a lot, I guess a lot of them are referred to as like Disney adults. And so there's a lot of like super fandom and like weird obsessed people who are like weirdly fixated with it. And um, so there's a lot of dealing with people like that. Um, also just like being a performer and not really being in a proper union is another thing that's very similar. Yeah. Um, like most Disney performer positions are unionized and uh, Jungle Crew skippers are in a union, but it's the Teamsters union. It's not like a performer union. Like, um, it's not SAG, AGVA. It, like, there are some AGVA performers at Disney, but uh, skippers are not AGVA. No, they're <laughs> Teamsters. Yeah. Um, which is all well and good, but it kind of, I think it leads to like a little bit of overworking and not being properly compensated for that work. So, um, yeah, I think there is a lot of similarities. Um, there's definitely a lot of differences, um, but there is a lot of similarities. Um, well, I mean, you, you brought it up. Like, what are some of the differences that, that you see? I would say, um, you know, with wrestling, there's a lot more variety when it comes to, like, the audience. Like, Hood Slam is definitely directed to more of an adult audience. I mean, they straight up say, don't bring your fucking kids. Exactly. Um, uh, and, like, sometimes there is family-friendly stuff, but you're still, like, punching each other in the face. Whereas, like, Disney, it's like, you know, it's not a whole ton of violence going on there. Um, so it's a lot, it's definitely a lot more clean, you know, and it's definitely very family oriented. So you get a lot of people who are very interested in um, entertaining, you know, families, which is fine. It's valid. Totally. Uh, there's definitely a place for it. It's just, I don't know, like, when I saw Hood Slam, I was just like, oh my God, this is what I've been needing. Because it's like, don't get me wrong, like, family friendly entertainment i'm totally into it i i still enjoy disney it's just that i don't know i'm i'm definitely a very messy person <laughs> and um you know i i cuss um i definitely don't cuss as much as i used to but i cuss um definitely not on the jungle cruise <laughs> but you know it's just like you know i'm just i'm just kind of a little i i, I just don't think i'm always very like I am able to be family friendly, but inherently my personality is very like, you know, people more in my age range. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that, especially looking at some of the, you know, as you have kind of gone forward with your pro wrestling career and like seeing the places that you have been working at now since you've really like started hitting your stride, especially in the Bay Area, like, you know, Hood Slam obviously is a big place to finally be at. I mean, former intergalactic tag team champion here. Um, you know, um, but you know, some of the other places that, that you've been working around the area are pretty interesting as well. And I'm assuming like offer different challenges too. you know, whether it be like Lucha Patron or um, South Bay Championship Wrestling or, you know, a place like Full Queer, you know, where where we got to spend a little bit of time together. Like it feels like. And this is one of the major takeaways that I had from like spending that week that I did down in, in the Bay Area was it's like how different so many of these promotions are yet mm -hmm. they still like cultivate this environment that um is i don't know for me personally it's really amazing to see because i feel like the, the bay area for the longest time you know especially after like apw started like slowing down 
in, in running their shows a bit. Like it was really just Hood Slam and and not a lot else that was going on there, you know. Yeah. Um, but to now see like you know the companies that you're working at that, that I mentioned before, as well as you know, I got to see an Oasis Pro show while I was out there, and like it's cool, cool to see that they're running out in Berkeley, mm-hmm. that area, and like it's really cool to see like that area of the country kind of expanding its presentations of pro wrestling and having so many other places to work like do you feel do you feel like this was like serendipitous in a way that your time like kind of entering into this this world of pro wrestling kind of came along at the same time that we've seen so many companies start popping up in Mm -hmm. that area yeah honestly like i i do feel really lucky um I mean, the pandemic made me feel a little less lucky, but uh, um, I uh, I do feel really lucky that I um, came at a time where like wrestling is kind of having a little bit of a renaissance um, or a re-enlightenment or whatever, what have you, whatever the appropriate thing is. Um, because I don't know, I just, I, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a great art form that I think, um, you know, because of a lot of stigma and stuff that a lot of people don't give a chance because, you know, like I said before, classism. Um, and like the fact that, you know, people are like, well, it's fake. And I'm like, hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, I, yeah, but if you get past all that, there's like a lot of really good stuff going on and there's a lot of really cool things going on with it. And you just got to get, I think people, you know, just need to get past their stigma and give it a chance. And I think a lot more people are doing that now especially since, um, you know, there's been so much more ways to get it out, like through Twitch, like Hood Slam started, you know, streaming on Twitch before they got on Fight TV. And like, um, you know, uh, there's IWTV and Fight TV, like I mentioned, and there's just so many ways to get your work out there and for people to see it. Um, and it, I think it's making people finally realize like, oh, hey, there's there's something to this. You know, there, I, I can see why people enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Along those the same lines of like this idea of like renaissance, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. That's the term we're going to use for the moment, at least. Um, okay. <laughs> like it's also kind of coincided with like this this rise in, in prominence of LGBTQ identities wrestling mm-hmm. as well you know something that you know again talked a lot about hood slam here but hood slam is a company that's at the beginning has been very good about that stuff mm-hmm. um and you know now with full queer running regularly in the area have mm-hmm. that as well and obviously with you being you know a non-binary person who you know to my knowledge like from when i kind of discovered you like from the get-go with, with your journey in pro wrestling you were out very much about you know being non-binary and mm-hmm. being very like lying in the sand about that and being very boisterous about it um mm-hmm. and wanting to like have your identity respected and uh as you move through the, this world of pro wrestling like mm-hmm. it's it's really cool to see that that all this is kind of coming and swirling and at around at the same time in a way like what has yeah. been your ex- what, what was your experience like coming into pro wrestling as a, a non-binary person and like what was the timing of that like kind of moment of self-discovery for for you in relation to your your time entering pro wrestling 
Yeah. Um, well, like, you know, in the 2010s, I was very active on Tumblr. And that's when I learned what non-binary was. And I'm like, well, it's probably not me, but, you know, that's cool. And then I thought about it more. And then, like, during the pandemic, I had a discussion with Rosie um, about it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, I've always felt kind of weird, like, around men and women and, you know, boys and girls. Like, I never felt like I really fit either in with either like I had a lot of guy friends growing up um but like you know when I would do ballet and stuff or like theater I would always be in the you know women's dressing room and you know I don't know I just always felt off or like I didn't quite fit and then like you know I after I leave Disney a lot of my friends that I still am in contact with they also came out as non-binary and I'm like okay so all of this makes sense now <laughs> um but yeah um it's just like uh so I like came out during training and like I don't know it's been kind of a weird experience because I'm still like put in a lot of like women's situations um which is why I like places like Hood Slam or even Lucha Patron they just kind of like throw me out there with whoever and it doesn't matter and they don't act like it matters and they don't like make a big stink about it they're just like okay go wrestle and that's been really cool um whereas like other places will like be all weird about it (laughs) (laughs) and like like some places they have like like minor tv deals like with minor streaming services and that's understandable i mean it sucks that you know advertisers are so weird about it but like you know like i get why they can't do it because of that reason Mm -hmm. it's dumb and i don't agree but i get it um but yeah it's just been kind of it's 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 been kind of weird um like most people are pretty respectful of it but I think some people like I don't think they really understand it um and that's unfortunate you know and it's kind of hard to like make people understand so I kind of you know get it like yeah I don't really do gender and I don't really I don't I'm not a woman but I, you know, was designated female at birth and I put makeup on and I wear all the, you know, femme things. So, but I, I'm not a woman, you know, it's like, I get it. It's hard to understand, but it's just like, it's, it's not really something you can explain to someone who doesn't experience it themselves, unfortunately. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people in the trans and non-binary community definitely feel the same way. It's just like, it's just not really something you can explain. It's just like, it just is. Yeah. And yeah. It's just been tough, like really explaining that to people, but I've just kind of accepted that like some people are just not going to get it and it's not the end of the world. I'm still getting booked. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it hasn't like in, impeded your, you know, ability mm-hmm. to continue to, to you know grow and, and work in the industry and everything like that. But I, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to like that frustration that can be built mm-hmm. up with, you know, trying to explain like you, your identity to someone else that has no like concept of, you know, beyond the binary and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, like that's, it. you know, I, I definitely don't interact with people as often as you do or mm-hmm. other like people, like non-binary people that are in the pro wrestling world, you know, um, but 
Like I I know that if I have that frustration come up, I it has to be like tenfold for y'all. Like how do you how do you kind of like deal with with that frustration of you know constantly having people that that aren't understanding of of that and that um and also just like the general the generalized like sort of gendered world that pro wrestling has been historically that you know luckily mm -hmm. there are places that are breaking that down and are understanding that we don't have to have like men's and women's divisions and especially yeah. how exclusionary that idea can be to non-binary people who are entering that world um mm -hmm. like how 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 have you really like learned to like deal with that and to try and if if you if you try and affect change at all in, in that way yeah sure um you know at first i was just really just accepting bookings you know in my first two years um where i could just to get my feet wet and to really you know hone my craft and stuff but like now i think i'm gonna start being a little more selective with where i work um and uh you know it's i mean i want to say it's nothing personal but it's kind of personal <laughs> um you know it's just just like really noting where people respect me and who I am and respect my time and respect all that and just taking note of that and putting my energy into that and less of my energy into people who are committed to not understanding where I'm coming from. I can understand that fully. Yeah. Like, you know, just finding places to put your energy where it's actually being used in that yeah. way you know, and i think that's one reason why like i i feel like your voice especially in like online forums has been very valuable for a lot of people because of just how no nonsense you are with people online mm -hmm. about you know respecting your identity respecting pronouns and stuff like that um at the same time like being very empowering and how you speak about your own identity um mm -hmm. and, and and that sort of thing not to mention the various comments and that you've made about you know wrestling's ability to objective objectify femme presenting people and women as well yeah um, like was that something that that outspokenness was that something that was that has always been kind of a part of lauren previous mm -hmm. pro wrestling okay oh yeah ask anyone who's known me for a while they know i'm <laughs> always been opinionated I have always had a mouth on me because I don't know I just I'm very strong in my convic convictions um just because it's important you know because like I, I, I just I'm tired of feeling uncomfortable all the time you know I'm tired mm -hmm. of constantly having to shrink myself or minimize myself just because other people can't deal it's like too bad this is who I am like I, I I've tried really hard to play the game a lot of times and it's hard for me you know it I, I need to be myself you know and like of course within reason like I don't want to hurt anybody but like you know it's it's like I don't know it's just like I you know want to look out for you know myself and for other people who also feel this way and you know it's just it's just important to me to be able for people to be able to feel like they aren't weird as shit. <laughs> like it's totally, it's totally an ex a real lived experience that people have and that's fine. And you're not insane 
And uh, I mean, maybe you kind of are, but I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, you that's okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're not insane for that reason. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I just, it's just, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a very passionate, emotional person. So, you know, it's hard for me to tone, it's hard for me to tone it down. I try, I try, just, you know. <laughs> But like, it's hard sometimes. And sometimes I reach my limit. And sometimes, you know, people got to know, like, okay, I'm at my limit. Yeah. Well, to that same end, like, what's it been like to, you know, form this tag team with Darwin Finch, another non-binary pro wrestler and, and working at F Bull Queer, a company like, you know, Hood Slam is definitely a company, obviously queer led and mm -hmm. has a, a lot of queer performers on it. But, you know, mm -hmm. Hood Slam, like leaders of Hood Slam themselves say, like, we just... We just do a pro wrestling show and we put like cool people on it you know yeah. it's not necessarily like, an explicitly like queer thing per yeah. se but full queer i mean it's in the fucking name right yeah. like it's yeah. it's right there like the you know the subtitle the wrestling for rights thing like it's an explicitly queer company meant like with like an empowering um kind of ethos behind it what has it been like for you to kind of you know Find find Darwin, find Rosie, these other people that are along like the gender diverse or, or trans, you know, lines in terms of community and to be able to have a place where, you know, a lot of where this love and this like passion that you have for your own identity and, and the community around it to be able to not just wrestle for them, but to kind of like represent them in a way in the ring. Um, I really have enjoyed working with Darwin a lot um I really feel like you know they have so much more experience in this than I do so it's really great to be able to learn from them and to be able to you know also they have like a lot of lucha experience which I don't have a whole ton of lucha experience so it's also been really good to like you know learn from that too um and, uh, you know, we just have a great dynamic where we're just, you know, being our goofy selves and we're just always down to clown. And that's what's great about queer spaces is that, like, because the world doesn't really take us all that seriously, like, okay, fine, we won't take ourselves seriously that and we'll fucking act like clowns. <laughs> like, fuck it, you know? <laughs> so that's what's been great. And, like, Darwin's totally down with it. And that's what's been great is just, like, we are willing to just, you know, have fun, you know, cause wrestling is, should be fun. Um, you know, it exists, um, in its current iteration and initially it existed to, uh, scam people. Um, yes. <laughs> but now, now it's, you know, it's a form of escapism, you know? So, and some people like to escape through shenanery and goofiness. And I am, 100% down with it and so is Darwin and yeah and so is Rosie. Rosie is very encouraging of this. Yeah. I mean it's also kind of comes through in some of the places that that y'all have done shows like obviously like the Barrison show was a whole lot of fun like running. I I love the fact that I could text my friends and and like my spouse back home and be like, "Yeah, I'm watching a wrestling show where like on it's bookended by, you know, jockstrap, powerlifting, present uh contest and make your own cockering stand oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hurt, hurt. 
quite literally right next to the ring. Yes. And, <laughs> and at the same time, like I, I wasn't there for the Folsom show, but I've talked to like multiple people that were there and like the experiences of like, you know, what all goes on at Folsom Street Fair, um, as well as like all that stuff kind of being so close in proximity to the wrestling stuff, like Tommy Purr telling me like walking out to the ring and just there's just people fucking yeah like i think that's that's another reason why like like you'd speak to like this this level of like unseriousness in a way that comes with queer spaces and i think that's one aspect that i've loved to see seeing like this invasion of queer culture into the pro wrestling scene is that like it's allowed people even more so to like not be so serious about what we're all doing here like we're all yeah. in on the illusion that's happening in front of us. Just like, just let it take you somewhere. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 I really like that. Like, uh, that's what I really loved about hood slam is just that it would, you know, it's, it's just there to be fun. Like Sheik was talking about in the out in the ring doc, um, how she started it up because, um, she felt like a lot of people didn't have the joy in wrestling anymore and so she kind of started it up to like kind of bring back the joy in wrestling because that's why we get into it because we we think it's fun and it looks fun and um it you, you can definitely still see that ethos of just bringing the joy back into pro wrestling with hood slam you know and you know, with full queer, it's definitely just like bringing queer culture, like letting queer culture run rampant in wrestling because it's just, it's always been queer coded. I'm sorry. Um, oh, it definitely has. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think anyone who has a brain can agree with that. Um, uh, but yeah, like it's just, it's just nice to like be able to just like, you know, because like, I, I don't know, I've been through a lot. And I feel like a lot of queer people have been through a lot. And I think we just want to express ourselves in a way that's just like, fun, because, you know, a lot of fun was denied of us for a long time, for whatever reason or another. And, you know, it's just nice to have a space where we can just be ourselves and not, you know, take ourselves seriously and just, you know, be goofy you know i just i like it no i'm i'm right there with you i'm all for the continuing growth that, that we're seeing in the pro wrestling space specifically but just more and more i want the bleed over i want more queer queer culture and pro wrestling culture mixing because they they mix so so wonderfully well mm -hmm. um laura this has been a whole lot of fun sitting down i and, agree and having the chance to chat with you um so yeah, I, thank you again for 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 coming on the show. Like this is this has been a blast. We'll have to have you on again somewhere down the line for sure. And we'll I'll remember next time that we've met. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I can't uh, ever let myself live that down. So I'm just gonna keep making fun of myself for it. Don't even feel bad about it because I didn't remember either. <laughs> Oh, Laura, let everybody know where they can uh, find you online and, and uh, what you may have coming up. Sure. Um, I am at Laura Frazier Kick everywhere. Um, I'm going to be pretty much on every Hood Slam show 
for the rest of the year, hoping I don't get freaking sick again, knock on wood. Um, and, uh, I don't think full queer has any more shows this year. Hood slam does. Uh, and yeah, I'm at Laura Frazier kick. I'm mostly on Instagram, but I'm also on Twitter at Laura Frazier kick. And, um, I have a Facebook that I haven't really been using lately. Um, cause I have a full-time job, so it's really hard. Um, I think and we I all have, have a, a Facebook that we haven't been using. Lately, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a TikTok that I also haven't really been using that I really should. Um, and hopefully I do at some point. And I also have a Patreon um, that hopefully uh, with the winter coming, I can dedicate more time to making content for because October is insane when it comes to bookings. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm all over the place. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Laura. Thank you. Thank you again to Laura for taking the time to come on the show and chat about their experiences and um, as well as dedicating as much time as we did to talking about the Jungle Cruise and, and that sort of thing. I don't know. Like, like I said, I get fascinated by things and, and fall down rabbit holes and um you know, having other friends, close friends that have worked at Disney parks in the past before, as well as like, you know, living in Orlando for a while and being very, very close in proximity to those, to that world, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just fascinating to be able to talk to somebody who, you know, had that lived experience um, in a completely different way than I did as someone who never worked at the park and was just, you know, constantly like, berating them in my mind as I was trying to navigate around Orlando um, <laughs> and steer clear of iDrive as much as I possibly fucking could. Um, but yeah, no, it's just really great to have Laura on and, and to have that conversation. I hope all of you enjoy it as well. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to do it for us this week. I have to get back to work with this, with this listy thing that I got going here. But um, again, I will reiterate Today, final day for ballots for the 2023 QWI Awards. Get those in by midnight Pacific time tonight. We will have a final ballot ready to go on the 18th for all of y'all to vote. I haven't decided on when that ballot is going to close yet. I will announce that whenever the final ballot comes out. Um, and then keep your uh, eyes on your podcast service of choice because we're going to be having a little supplement podcast about the QWI Awards ballot um, with a couple of uh, guests from this pro wrestling journalism space to kind of to give some added context there as well. That'll be going up early next week. Uh, and then also next week, it's the holiday, and we have a tradition here on Thanksgiving holiday. So Casey's going to be back, and we're going to be looking at something fun and kind of dumb. And I don't know. It's just going to be a really uh, fun time because – the Thanksgiving episodes are always very fun to me. Um, I love showing Casey dumb shit from pro wrestling, not just around Thanksgiving. It's like a year round thing uh, in this house, but specifically for Thanksgiving, I, I love being able to share that with them and being able to share it with all of y'all as well. So yeah, two things coming next week. Um, yeah. So that'll do it for, for this week for the show though. Um, before we get out of here though, if you want to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash LGBT ringpod. You can join the roster of lovelies over there at the $3 tier at the $5 tier. You get bonus shows as well. Um, and you'll be 
getting your regular shout out here on the show every week, just like people like Alex E., uh, Jerry Legend, and Val Capone, the original members of the uh, the Patreon roster of lovelies over there as well. Um, we have an episode of Required Reading coming later this month. Uh, Hollis and I are in the works with figuring that out. We have a match. We haven't figured out a movie just yet because uh, the match that I chose for Hollis to uh, pair with a film, I think, is uh, giving, giving him a bit of um, consternation a little bit. Not because of the match itself, but just figuring out which of the films that came to mind to choose. Because there's like five or six that we're sorting through at the moment. So we'll have that ready to go by the end of the month for sure. Um, and yeah, I think I think that about does it there. Obviously, if you can't support financially, totally understandable. Um, you know, but again, word of mouth reviews on your podcast service of choice and all of that good stuff helps out the show as well. So um, all of that is greatly appreciated. Any sort of effort there uh trust me it, it warms the heart for sure but um we will come back next week with uh, our special thanksgiving episode and then we're gonna end the year strong y'all and i'm i'm excited for it i am i am truly truly excited for it as much anxiety and stress as i am under right now the excitement supersedes it for sure but until next week y'all stay messy Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted, if at all possible. And congratulations to Charlie Evans and Everett Connors. Everybody's ready to die. Bye.